My name's Aidan Hathaway, and this is Uncommon. Uncommon is a production by Neural, a full-service digital agency. If you want to grow with a premium agency and have the ability to work with Jordan directly, then learn more at neural.com slash media and request a callback. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E dot com slash media. My name's Jordan Michaelides and I'm the host of Uncommon, a show that digs deep with unique individuals. If you like the episode, leave us a written review on your podcast app as it helps us to continue what we do on a weekly basis. Show notes are below in your app. Otherwise, for all previous guests, you can find them at neural.com slash podcast. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E dot com slash podcast. To watch the full video, just search Uncommon Show on YouTube to find our channel. Or if you want to keep up to date on social media, you can find us at uncommon underscore show on Instagram. With that being said, let's get into the episode. My guest this week is Aidan Hathaway, co-founder and creative director of White Fox Marketing and the guy who has to deal with Marty's creative promises and late night FaceTime calls. Aiden, thanks for coming in, John, mate. thanks for having me. <laughs> good start. Yeah, very good start. I didn't fuck it up. Last yeah. week I had, um, what's his name in? Uh, Will Anderson. And like I like to sort of lean towards the guest when I'm doing the intro because it feels fucking awkward, mm-hmm. right? And uh, for some reason I enunciated comedian. And I looked at him when I did it and he's like, He's just like smirking on the side, like, what's that about? Making a comedian laugh is always a good thing. Yeah, it's a very good thing. Um, and here we go, our fucking... <laughs> As we're starting, these fucking guys right over the top. Uh, we were having our usual coffees and we've got um, the just the perfect day. The day I tell you to move it from 3 to 11, mm. we've got people abseiling from the yeah. roof to clean the windows. It's fucking great. They've been told to stop. Yeah. So let's see how that how that direction goes. Um, all right. I want to start off things with true or false questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a lot here, so I'm probably going to go for the ones that have the best comedic comedic effect. Mm-hmm. First one. You've written a book called Young, Dumb, and Full of Yum. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a cookbook <laughs> that I wrote when I was I would have been like 18. Um, and it was all about um, getting young guys to cook food. Um, and I called it Young, Dumb and Full of Yum. And I actually launched it. It never actually went anywhere. I just still got it in-house. But I launched it on um, when I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Okay. <laughs> In That's the right, hot you seat. were on in the hot seat. <laughs> in the hot seat. <laughs> Fuck it up. But, um, Can you send me a photo of that? Yeah, Just absolutely. for personal gags. Yeah, done. <laughs> just but yes, now I want to turn it into a, like a, um, a YouTube series. That would be The good. mediums have changed over, that was, you know, 10 years ago, so. Yeah. That's like the days of Ready, Steady, Cook and, um, yeah, that, that was like peak celeb chef yeah. period. Correct. I remember I used to watch like... Um, Fuck, MasterChef, and like my favorite thing was the Fridays and the Masterclasses. Yeah, Masterclasses. It was yeah. like a double episode. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'd hours. take notes and yeah. I'd be like really serious, like, Mum, <laughs> be recording it on Foxtel, whatever, the thing that you I think it's like IQ or something yeah. like that. 
And uh, yeah, I love that. I've still got the, re I'll show you afterwards. I've still got the recipes that like George put up and then I eventually worked for him at the press club like years after that and told him that and he fucking pissed himself off. Did you get paid? Yeah, I got paid, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what, that, that's an interesting one. Because <laughs> like we have a, um, a sort of uh, made establishment alumni group on Facebook and everyone is like really disappointed. There's a lot of people in there who got, who accidentally were underpaid and mm. they, even they say that he's been pretty harshly treated. Yeah. Because like, it's an, in, to be honest with you, it's a fucking industry standard. Yeah. He's not the only one well, doing it. And the fact is he, he came out and said it. I mean, like the old GM who now owns Apoca in Carlton and mm. Aleros in Camberwell said the same thing. She was like pretty fairly underpaid. Yeah. But she was like part of the management team. Yeah. She didn't even know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's classic um, Australia where they go after someone who's like, I mean, I think Coles has been done now for. Yeah. Heaps, no, not a fucking peep. Exactly. No one says 20 anything. million and underpaid. Yeah. Not a peep. Yeah. They just go for the. Uh, my old boss reckons it's because he's Greek. Of course she does. We're all Greek, and she's like... It's the Greek economics? Yeah. <laughs> no, not, no, not that he underpaid, but that he's been, like, made a martyr. You mm. know what I mean? But yeah. um, anyway, that's enough I'll say about yeah. that. Um, okay, another one. No one should use the word bespoke. I hate it. Okay, <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's such a shitty word. It's banned in, my, in, in the agency. If I ever see it, I... Um, I get it changed pretty quickly, but the 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 team now know to um to stay away from that. I just think there's so many better words to use than bespoke. Yeah, are there other words that like? Do you have a list of words like gourmet <laughs> or any other things? I like mean, that? there are, but I mean, it's it's my one of my biggest things in my whole career has been the same is that it's you know I hate when people it, you can tell when you read something that whoever's written it has found the word that they want to use and they've gone to thesaurus.com yeah. and then found like the Another fanciest word. or nicest other you know other word to say something that and I just think sometimes it just needs to be direct as it comes and you just yeah. say the, the most basic way possible without it because I mean people aren't stupid they can sort of see when it's you know when it's been said like that. I, I really like that approach and I, I like that thought process because I've always been fascinated by linguistics, particularly in marketing, like linguistics, propaganda, all these little cool little areas that funnel into the world of advertising and marketing. And I feel like linguistics is a really good one. I remember, I reckon one of the best books you can read on, if you're an English speaker, on linguistics is a biography of Winston Churchill. Mm -hmm. Like that guy was a prolific writer, but mm. also used words that everyone understood mm. but were still strong. Yeah, um, that's such a good point. And Boris Johnson's biography is my favourite and it's it's seriously fucking fascinating. Like the way that he would construct his speeches during the war times and he would only use English native words, not Latinized words mm. that you get. You know, like how when the Normans came over and yeah. they changed like pork and pig and all these random words... Yeah. Um, he would only use like universally known words in England, mm. and so I feel like that thought process is what you're talking about is is cutting through the shit and finding 100%. like really really strong 100%. and good words. Yeah, and it's I mean the like I said the audience, they they I feel like they're smarter than a lot of marketers and advertisers give them credit for, yeah. and they see right through it. Exactly right. Yeah. So sometimes you know it's classic, don't use ten words when four will do. You know, use, you know, the, the word 
that you know just explains it the best possible way. Um, yeah, and cut through the shit. <laughs> um, is it true that like George Costanza, you're a hand model? <laughs> <laughs> I am a hand model. <laughs> Um, yes, I am a hair model. Um, done a bit of work. Um, I don't wear oven mitts, but... Is uh, this true? Yeah, it's true. Wow. Okay. So I just did a shoot for... Am I allowed to mention brand names on here? (laughs) (laughs) I just did a shoot for Vitables, Vitamin Company. Um, and then... But it is, it is a, it's a running gag, um, that I've just got really nice hands um, everyone says I've got girl hands. You probably can't say that anymore. But mum would always say I had just piano, got long fingers. piano fingers. Yeah. yeah, and I played the piano as a kid. Um, and then yeah, and then it's just classic that you know, just being stupid, working in an agency, my old agency at Will and Blake. Um, we created an Instagram handle for it and just took the piss out of, you know, these sort of model pages, said that I was represented around the world by fake agencies and things like that. And then, but I have been booked a couple of times for actual hand modeling gigs. And it's always a bit weird because I feel like I'm taking the piss out of it, but then there's like a genuine actual hand model, other hand models there. And they're all like, how long have you been doing it for? And I'm like, oh, you know, a few years, but it's, but yeah, it's a running gag, but I, you know, the hands, um, yeah, they are. They are model-like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it is so good. That's that's really good. I, look. This is did one you not think? Did you just think that was a joke? No, right? I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a joke. Most of these are, but uh, hilarious. That's good. There's so many other here that I want to ask you. Like, um, does Sam McClure and Kane Corns make you passionate about footy? Oh, oh. there's there's You've a whole bunch. My, tw- my Twitter, my, yeah. my anonymous Twitter profile. <laughs> <laughs> But the one, the most important one I've got to ask, which is what Marty told me, is is to ask you about captaining a yacht for a few months in Croatia. And it was actually in Portugal. So, in Portugal. Yeah, Portugal. Of course you so, um, yeah, we were. Um, I was travelling around Europe on a big Europe trip, 2012, end of the world. We, it was meant to end in December, so my best mate Heath and I went on this trip around the world and we were just going to go out in style. Um, and then, yeah, so we were in Portugal, we're in Lagos, which a lot of people know is a super party town, um, famous for their booze cruises and things like that. So um, we went on one as patrons the first time and then we went on as the second time to just enjoy the summer f- festivity. Um, and then they asked us to stay for the whole summer and run the cruises so we Heath and I did that for three months um it was quite an experience (laughs) came home a different man (laughs) that would because I've seen so I went to uh Turkey and oh this is actually the same time 2012 Mm. I went Mm. to Turkey but it was at the start of the year yeah and uh we went on one of those sort of Galays, I guess you can call them. They look like yachts, but they're really like motor powered. Yeah, and they just cruise from bay to bay, mm. right? And they probably can fit like ten or twenty people. Yeah, we. The way this worked out is, um, we just went with a bunch of family friends and hired the whole thing. Yeah, it was fucking yeah. really nice. Um, crazy cheap for ten days. It was like a grand a person for ten days. Yeah, like a hundred bucks a day, and you're fed for two meals, yeah. and you're on this luxury yacht. We did it as well on that same trip because we did so we did the sail Croatia, which was exorbitant. Yeah, and then we were like, fuck that, and then we were going to Turkey, and we we're like, we should do another sail. Yeah, and we did the one from 
um, Fetier to Olympos, oh, I think. Really? I so think we, that's where it was. We did Fetier to Mummers. Yeah, so we yeah. did Fetier to Olympos, and the same thing, beautiful boat, 12 randoms. Wow. You know, so much more cheaper. They were, they were catching fish off the boat. Yeah. Cooking it up. We found a fucking... It was, um, it was such a bizarre... Like, you felt... I, I was like, this is how the 1% lives. Because when you go to Turkey, it's a poor country. Mm. Particularly in the south. Outside mm. of Istanbul, most of Turkey is really poor. Mm. And you're on this boat and you've got this crew. The crew just sleep either down in their crew rooms mm. or they sleep on the, the beds yeah. at night because it's often so fucking yeah. hot. Um, amazing, like the food that they cook is amazing and they've got like a, you know, the classic Zodiac and like spear fishing and yeah. all that. Like one day they, we just saw like a school of like big bluefin tuna or yellowfin yeah. tuna, I think it might have been. And they just go and hunt that down and we've got like a, a whole fucking it's, tuna, yeah. which the, is just unheard of. The Croatian one, we were literally fed fish sticks and like it was, like we had a great time, but it was God awful for what our expectations were, and then we did the turkey one, and the turkey one was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, you was... can tell sort of Croatia has been really not gentrified, but it's been fairly hit hard by the tourist sector yeah. doing that. Yeah, I mean you can even start to see it now in Turkey. I remember we were in this boat, and people would come by on those sort of more uni student type yeah. things, and the music is yeah. pumping. You could hear them coming from a mile away, and the captain would just turn to like my dad and his mates who were sort of in charge of where we were going and he's like let's go to another bay yeah. like another nice bay around the corner well that's why I love the turkey one was it didn't it just they just parked the boat yeah in a little cove and anchored and you'd swim have dinner mm. drink play games you know whatever where the Croatia one was like into town port everyone to the bar Everyone loose as hell back yeah. onto the boat, and it's then wake up, half, wake up halfway through the next day, and you're already on the way. So, but yeah, Turkey, Turkey is one of my favourite places. Did you ever go to Cleopatra's Bay? No. Okay, that might be on the way to closer to Marmaris. Yeah. That was the first place we stopped, and when I thought like, uh, I feel like I'm home. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, like yeah. The things that I grew up seeing as a kid, Greek Cypriot family. Yeah. I remember dad was like really emotional when he was there because he saw a lot of people that looked like his dad. Mm. Um, so it was just, for me, it was a really surreal experience. I always, always regret that Lauren wasn't there because she decided, nah, I'll wait and work an extra two weeks before I come meet you in yeah. Europe. And uh, That was the first that was the rank. Yeah, it was amazing. So anyway. Good now, place. childhood. Yes. Uh, you grew up in kangaroo ground. Yeah. Uh, son well, of research, a, research yeah. next to Kangaroo <laughs> Ground, but um, yeah, out in the in the northeast. You, your family's actually well. Your dad's your dad is Indian, right? He was born in India. Yeah, from English back, Anglo-Indian, as they as they're described. Um, yeah, born in India, third generation born there, or his his great grandfather. Um, went to India after the after they colonised India, and then yeah, was born there, grew up there, and then came to Australia. Okay. Yeah. What's sort of your earliest memory of your childhood? Oh, God, that's a good question. We I was actually having this conversation um, a couple of nights ago about how far you can think back, yeah. and whether it's you seen photos and then you know remembering or 
but not actually remembering it actually happening. Yeah, because you're remembering a memory. Yeah, correct. But And the, the funniest thing was we were talking about this and one of my earliest memories is that I was always an entertainer, which is weird because I'm, I'm a pretty introverted now, but back then I was, I was quite extroverted and singing a lot of John Farnham. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, fake Mike, singing John Farnham, um, that's the earliest thing I can ever remember. Um, but really, well, I had a re- really blessed childhood, but that's the only thing. But, um, yeah, I think that would be, that's my earliest memory. Was there a song of choice that you always You're went the for? the voice. You're the voice, yeah. It's, it's got to be. It was interesting, recently I just got given my Yaya's old tapes, VCR tapes, mm. and we were watching them, and there was an ad that John Farnham did for... Uh, like the mall, the new Burke Street mall yeah. in the eighties, and it's such an amazing ad. Like, and the way that they like got people down there, like they, they it's sort of like a fair mm. almost, and it's it's really funny like how that was like you know influencer marketing back yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, I mean, I can get stuck in a John Farnham YouTube vortex for yeah. hours where you just watch John Farnham. That's so funny. He was an icon back in the day. He was. He's. He still, he still is. is. You well, know, did you watch the um, the fire, the bushfire relief concert? No, I never got to watch he, it. He he dominated that. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I did. I was amazed that um, I didn't actually fucking hear about this concert until it had happened. The same. I think the first time I heard about it was three days out or two days out when I saw an ad for it on TV yeah. on Channel Seven, being like, "We're going to be covering it all day." And I was like, "This, this is my problem. I don't watch a lot of." Um, you know, standard network TV, TV yeah. unless, like, it just comes on automatically on the TV. I don't think anyone does anymore. Yeah. Like... Well, at least in our generation. Yeah, well, so. yeah, our generation. Like my sure. pa- my mum will still watch, you know, like, the news in the background yeah. and stuff like that, which is interesting. I mean, I just had some mates sell a show to Channel 7, which will come out in April, so I will be the first time in probably years highlighting a show to watch. Yeah. The only other thing I could think about is, like... When I'm at night sitting on the couch and like maybe I look at Twitter or something like that and everyone's talking about maths. Yeah, oh, I can't. I haven't watched it, but there, I was like, I wonder if it's still on. I just want to see what it's what it's about. And then, like, I got the clips. It's just people arguing the whole time. But <laughs> there was a show on afterwards that Lauren and I watched. It was called uh, First Dates. Yeah. Fuck it. It was actually like sometimes that stuff is like kind of wholesome, you know? Yeah, it can be. <laughs> like reality just, TV can be, right? I just can't for the life of me understand reality TV. Yeah. I mean, and that's just could be me, but I don't, I don't get it. Like, I mean, well, I know why they're certain, doing it. certain ones, like I, I'll, I'll watch MasterChef yeah. because I like sort of, I guess, the story and I've had a couple of friends, um, uh, contestants on MasterChef and so that, but then anything to do with, I mean, maybe I'm just not into high-level that sort of drama. Like I can't. It's, it makes it's me anxious. Much, it makes yeah. me anxious when I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Can you imagine yourself being in that scenario? It's like, actually, around the corner from your office, I had someone on the way to the market one day ask me whether I want to be on one of these shows. Yeah. Um, what was it? I think it was Married at First Sight. I got asked to be on The Bachelor. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. They were some scout from Channel 9. I'm like carrying this Nana roller bag and she's like, do you want to be, oh, hi, I'm from Channel 9, I'm a scout and uh, do you want to, like, have you ever considered being on reality TV? I'm like, 
Maybe. <laughs> Depends. And then she's like, married at first sight, and I'm like, no. I'm engaged. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, mean, I remember when the first Big Brothers, like the original Gretel, Colleen Big Brothers were yeah. happening, and everyone was like, oh, my God, you should be on Big Brother, and, you know, you should go on Big Brother, all this sort of stuff. And I was just like, do you want to be that person who's becomes Aiden from Big Brother? <laughs> no, like, you don't. No, that was, well, my personal preference is no, but... um. Yeah, uh, just not into it. But, like, the same sort of, well, back to that thing about television, it's sort of, I think everyone just gets their content now, like watches yeah. YouTube and you can watch enough stuff on, on your device now. Then YouTube is the reality TV that I want. And I think um, if I think about the people that I've interviewed on TV and the ones that have, that have come out wholesome, the only real one I can think of is someone like Sam Wood. Yeah. And in that case... It is very rare because he went in for the right purpose and he had good intentions, yeah. whereas most people who go on reality TV don't. 100% agree. So that, that was the lesson for me and it's quite obvious that in 99.99% in of chances mm. of me being asked to be on reality TV, there's no fucking yeah. way. Well, do you, think that, do you think it's changed now, even that was only, what, four, four years ago, five years ago that Sam was on that? that it's now just about drama. Yeah. Like, it's now just about ratings. Like, yeah. it's not actually match people who are going to be good for each other. It's, it's match it's like, people who are going to clash and create, good, yeah, create good, TV, good TV. I don't think it's good TV, but they would, advertisers would think it's good TV. And then, um, yeah. It's, the cutaways. It's, yeah. The cutaways will kill me. <laughs> uh, anyway. Now, I want to talk about your early, I guess, Career. Mm-hmm. I know you went to Zavs. Yeah. But you didn't actually board. You just stayed with mates. Yeah. Which is fascinating. <laughs> I did do How that. How's that possible? Well, you just sort of like, hey, can I? I was the I was the third child, and my two older brothers didn't go to Xavier. They went to Parade, and then <clears throat> so there's and there's a gap. There's a six and a half year gap between my brother and I, wow. and so I think by that time my parents were just like. You'll be right. <laughs> They'd seen it all before. So, um, but yeah, I mean, really lucky. Have such amazing friends and things like that. And I, yeah, I would stay at you know my friends' places after school and stay the night there, and then go to school the next day. Not like not not every day. I did do the hour and a half, two hour bus ride each Jeez. way most most days. Um, which was why when I finished school, I didn't want to keep going, go straight back into uni because I just <laughs> didn't want to. Um, do that anymore but um yeah yeah so but you know had a pretty um pretty good friendship group from there that would let me board at their place and their parents would look after me so it's good you studied naval architecture at RMIT which is I remember chatting about Mm -hmm. this um because I was fascinated with it Mm. when I was at um high school I thought yeah I'm going to be a naval architect Mm. but then you ended up as a copywriter yeah so Riddle me how the transition from budding naval architect yeah. to that. Well, it took me five years to find out that's what I wanted to do uh-huh. with naval architecture um, because growing up in high school, I was so against the system of even from that age, I, was, I would always push back and, you know, we'd have your vocation you know, advisor who would help you uh, with, yeah. you know, do it, you know, what do you want to do when you're older? And these are the subjects you should do. And I was always like, how are you meant to know 
when you're 15, 16, going into year 11, that what you want to be when you're older, which then would influence the subjects that you had to pick in year 11 to yeah. get the score that you required to then get into the course that you wanted to do. Um, I mean, so many things change. And I just thought it was so much pressure. And I'd always be like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I don't know what I want to do um, when I finish school. Um, I did my um, work experience as a dentist. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> I wanted, grow, growing up, I thought I wanted to be a dentist because I had braces when I was a kid. Not that you could probably tell because my teeth are fucked now, but <laughs> he drove a really nice um, SL Mercedes. And I was like, geez, if you can... What are you? What are you going to do to be able to drive one of them? I want that exactly. So you know, and that's how you know, as a kid, my brain thought about that. But um, you know, it was I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, and then it was well, do the most broader subjects possible to give you a score where you can choose later. Mm. And it was um, you know, maths, methods, French, chemistry, biology, English, obviously. Um, and so once I finished school. I moved to Byron Bay. I went to school as I didn't come back for six months, eight months or whatever. Really? And just stayed there and worked up there and lived up there with a couple of mates. And um, Seems like a regular thing in your life. <laughs> yeah, going well, on yeah ex- exactly. <laughs> like, well, if it's good, stay. Um, so, um, yeah, and I didn't even check my, I didn't even check my score until sometime in February. Like, I just was, didn't, didn't worry about it, didn't care because I just knew that, hey, the decisions I was going to make were all going to come later on in my life. I wanted to travel a lot and I spent like those first five years working six months traveling, working six months traveling. Mm. Um, and then finally got to the realization I was like, Hey, I grew up, you know, grew up down the, in Sorrento my whole life, every summer, um, love the water, love drawing, love all that sort of, um, you know, the creative of, 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 illustration and things like that and I was like well I want to be a naval architect there I want to design boats and I did get a helping hand from that movie The Island um, uh, yeah. where he's a, he's a yacht designer in that movie and I was like you know that that's that's a pretty sick career like it would be to, to do that so I went and studied there's only two places back there I'm not sure now but back then there was only two places you could do it University of New South Wales and the Maritime College that's it um, so I did the engineering half in Melbourne mm-hmm. and then halfway through that, I went to South Africa, um, for the football world cup uh-huh. in 2010. And how long did you stay for? <laughs> just the required amount of time. And then I was out of there. Um, but when we were there, the public transport system wasn't sort of set up for a mass event like that. So everyone hired cars. So everyone was driving around in hired cars from location to location, following the, the teams and things like that. So there were um, the locals were selling these flags that went on your car window mirrors. So you could identify, everyone could identify what country they were from. So mm-hmm. you'd be, you know, you'd pull up to the lights, there'd be these guys on the street selling, you know, a couple of bucks, these sort of socks that went over your rear vision mirrors that had the country you were from um, flag. Um, and I was, then I was like, what a great idea. Like, so when I came back to Melbourne, I dropped out of uni and to my parents' dismay and started a business of getting these socks made for um, the football teams in the AFL. Wow. Yeah. How did that go? Oh, not, not great. <laughs> I mean, it was the experience from that, like so naive, young, no idea about anything business 
or whatever, but just an idea basically. Mm. Um, read a lot of books, had a really great mentor who sort of took me under their wing to help me and she got me into meetings with people I shouldn't have been having meetings with. Like it was it was unbelie- an unbelievable ride and, you know, was meeting with Collingwood and they were like super keen on it, but you've got to get the official AFL licence because yeah, yeah. the AFL owns all the teams. And then it's just sort of gets to the point of like, why would we give this young buck a, yeah. a chance when we could just make, make it, it ourselves, ourselves and yeah. sell it to the club? So, but I mean, where that took me on the journey was out of naval architecture and sort of into business, doing the creative, writing copy, learning all about that sort of that side aspect of the business. And from there, um, you know, that was the spark that literally ignited the rest of the journey. What, what do you think it was, um, like, what personality traits for you was it that drew you to marketing as opposed to the architecture or engineering side of things? Um, it's the, I think it's definitely the creative in marketing and advertising and that sort of the ability to be able to create anything mm. um, that really sort of drew me into it. And I was a, a naturally a, a good writer. English was my best subject. I used to write creative stories all the time. When I was at, um, you know, Portsea Surf Lifesaving Club, I spent my childhood down there. I would write these stupid articles in that in the, you know, the magazine. You know, the it was called the Boomer, and it was you know a, a A4 sheets stapled together that would get sent out to all the members about updates of the club. And I would write these ridiculous articles of. Um, updates from like the bronze camp and make up these hilarious stories and put them into like an actual sort of newspaper sort of style uh-huh. and sort of just let your your brain go wild. And did, did you get a per like? Did you like it more that you could create, or did you like the response that people gave you when they saw that re- that end product? I, what do you get of, more bit, out of? Bit of both, but it's. It leans. It's hard because it's that 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 first aspect of the creating. You get I get so much joy out of that. Like when we're doing a tone of voice development for a brand, and we get to the creative concepts, and we all sit around and brainstorm, and we're like, you know, what can we do with this brand, and where can we take it? Not just sort uh-huh. of, you know, how bold can we go? Go shoot for the moon and pair it back. And yeah. it was always that was that's really exciting. But there's there's something about when someone reads your work or someone sees something that you've written for a brand and they go, that's good. And, or, you know, or that elicits some sort of an emotional response mm. because it's, it's an creative is in my opinion, it's, um, it's an opinion based thing. You know, it's, it's so subjective. Yeah. You know, some people like it. Other people might roll their eyes at it. You know what I mean? Like it's very, Subjective. It's sort of like in the real estate business, how if you if you um, if you know someone well enough, then you can really hit the mark with the with the deal. And in this case, it is with getting that creative past them. Mm. And that, there's no feeling like that because you feel like, you know, I read this person really well and yeah. I understood what they really wanted. They held the brief. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that. Definitely. I don't know what it is, but that's the thing that I get out mm. of it. Telling stories as well as saying that I love. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So you you were creative director. Well, you had many different jobs, but you, you eventually found your way to Willow and Blake. Yeah. 
creative director there. Mm -hmm. A few deals that you worked on include Grilled, Sleeping Duck, which I got fucking... You messaged me that and then I get a hit with an ad for Sleeping Duck on Instagram. <laughs> it does make you wonder. When you, I know it is yeah. a cognitive bias, but like... You know, you speak to someone about that, and then next thing you know, it's it's in your in your feed. Correct. Um, Alphabet City was that before you and Marty joined up? Correct. Was, and yeah. you had White Fox Real Estate as a client. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I met Marty at Through Will on Blake. That's right. So, um, when I was at was I think it was it would have been it was my first year at Will on Blake, two thousand sixteen. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get to Marty Fox and White Fox Real Estate at some point. But, um, yeah, I met Marty in 2016, my first year at Will & Blake. We worked together there. Okay. And then when I left um, Will & Blake to start my own gig, yeah. um, Marty came along with me for the How ride. How did you – what was the, the meeting? Like, what was it? A the funny – one of the all-time great meetings, like, the first time that Marty and I met. So, Erica – who was the um, co-founder and the creative director at Will & Blake at the time then, um, she and Marty had a previous relationship and had known each other, whatever, around the traps, and she brought Marty into the agency and with me and then met Marty in that first meeting and he, and he goes, you know, I'm a real estate agent and, you know, I want to do this, this and this, and I was like, absolutely no way. Like... I'd, I've written before for property um, clients and they're notoriously safe, very conservative. No one wants to take a risk because marketing's the first, the first one that comes back when if something goes wrong um, and it's just, yeah, a super safe space. And, and he goes, no, I've, like, I've got this idea. Okay. I've got this brand name and this idea of what I want to do. And when I say I want to go 10 out of 10 bold, I, I mean it. And... I mean, you've met Marty, and you, I believed it. Like I saw, I saw it in his face, and I believed it. And um, yeah, and he was during that time was he was in a non compete, so he wasn't. He'd finished up at Wilson That's before right. he'd started White Fox Real Estate. Yeah. So mind you, a non compete with his father in law. Yeah. <laughs> it is a level. We spoke about <laughs> yeah. that in the interview. It's like what the fuck. Yeah, I mean, smart <laughs> by the old man, but um, yeah. So he we. And I think that's how, I mean, you know, a lot of people see Marty and I and think that we've known each other for forever, but we only yeah. met, um, it'll be, what is it, it'll be five years in the, in the next few months. So it's still a good, good amount of time. But um, yeah, when we met that, that first time, he wasn't working, um, he yeah, had that non-compete and he was sort of just working on the brand. So we literally spent nearly every day together, you know, talking or, you know, on the phone, um, doing the creative so we started with the tone of voice development and then we did the content strategy um and then to social media management to start it off sort of three months before the business went live on the first of feb in 2017 um but that i feel like you know that collaboration of working so intrinsically close together at the start um set it up for you know what it is today yeah and i, I know that um like i was saying before you had uh him as like one of your first clients at Alphabet City yeah. but I, I guess I'm curious like when did the scheming I know I feel like you've said it to me like Marty just said to you like do you want to just do this together yeah so, <laughs> so what was your um what were your feelings when he first broached this okay so you? this is a great story so because again you know what Marty's like so we I had I'd left Will and Blake at the start of 2018 yep um, and gone, gone, left there with aspirations to start my own agency, which was Alphabet City. And I had 
uh, um, my, uh, White Fox Real Estate is one of my first clients. Um, and then, so I, at least I knew, like, I was taking a risk, but I had that sort of, I had that. You had a grounding of Exactly, sorts. where yeah. I knew, hey, I was going to be able to pay my rent. I was going to be able to pay, you know, <laughs> Which is nice. for food. You know, so it was, it was an, it was a difficult step, a really difficult step to do that because I cherished Willow and Blake. I still love that place. It's it, it's everything that I have today is because of that. Um, and yeah, so I, I I had a had that grounding of White Fox Real Estate, and then other really great people who were supporting me and helped bring um, clients on there. But it would have been. It was towards, so I'm going to say it was probably about September of that year. So we're, we're eight months okay. into me doing my own thing, living my dream. And Marty called me up and goes, hey, we, go. hey, we, should, we should start, you know, an agency together. Um, you know, like you're doing that. I w- want to get into that. You know, we can do this and X, Y, Z and it can work. And, that, and I was taking a back by it but at the same time my, my head's buzzing a million miles an hour because you know working with Marty is phenomenal um, and I, I was g'd up and I was talking to my girlfriend at the time and she was like you know do whatever you feel you know gut feeling like you know it's a great opportunity to do that and I was so I was pumped and then Marty and I have a meeting every Monday morning yeah. um, to talk real estate and marketing we do our creative whip and our business meetings and financials and all that sort of stuff and I was, we were doing that and we were getting a coffee and he goes, and he, I think he might have had a couple of drinks <laughs> when he called and he was like, that's right. He goes, gee, I might have gone a bit early on that. And I was so G'd up and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. But, yeah, but I was like, you know, nothing, you, you can't lose what you don't have. So I wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't the end of the world, but you know, continued on as we went. And then another couple of months passed and I think the opportunities had really started presenting themselves by then. You know, a lot of the clients that Marty was dealing with on the real estate side had businesses and, you know, it, it was all really nicely linked. And so it got to, I think it would have been November, December of 2018. Yeah. And he goes, let's, let's, let's pull the trigger on this. Let's do this. And I yeah. was like, you know, let, let's go for it. And Jan 2019, the business started. Yeah, so we sort of did a little bit of pre-wrapping up sort of the Alphabet City side of things because we brought a lot of the clients that I had there. They came over to White Fox Marketing as well. But um, a lot of that, um, you know, sort of wrapping up, still working with clients, did one job sort of unofficially as White Fox Marketing in December. But then, yeah, January um, 7, 2019, opened the doors. Yeah, so... What have you learned from him as a co-founder? Because co-founder relationships are always interesting. I mean, I've, um, Laura and I obviously in a close relationship and co-founders. So mm-hmm. I'm always curious as to, you know, what are the worst arguments, disagreements or the best things that you've learned mm. from each other? Um, Marty and I are classic yin and yang. I'm a little, I'm much more sort of laid back. I'm a bit quieter. Um, go with the flow where Marty's, you know, he's the the front of house, he's the the face, the voice of a lot of everything and we just complement each other so yeah. perfectly and that's why we've, you know, we've worked together on everything, every decision, um, you know, from a creative point of view for the real estate business we always talk about together um, and we've never had an an argument about anything. It's, it's weird. It's sort of we respect each other's opinions 
um, yeah. like so highly. Um, so, you know, if Marty says, you know, we want to do this and I take a step back and think about it and I go, like, yeah, we, we never really have butt heads on on those kind of things, which has been Well, they've ra- it sounds like it's rational debate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're yeah. both, um, you know, both businessmen, um, both have a really great creative brain um, and, you know, we both understand how each other work. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, compliment. I think complimenting each other is, is is the best way to put it. Now settle this for me. Who came up with the deal obvious and seals the deal? Me. <laughs> I remember he said I remember he said that in our interview. I'm pretty sure how did you yeah. how did you come up with that? Tell no, us the story well, behind this. Actually, Erica and I because we worked on it together, she was all about doing it calling it the deal. So I've got to give a lot of kudos to her on for, for doing that. So we looked at um, you know, people all around the world. And there was um, just spending a lot of time with Marty in those sort of early days of coming up with the creative for White Fox Real Estate. It was always just about that, you know, conveying that message of, you know, here's the deal. And it sort of came so naturally of like, you know, what he was trying to communicate, you know, in the way that he worked and the way that he presented the brand. Um, the obvious and the seals the deal stuff came um, after that, and that was that was pretty easy as well because Marty went to me. He goes, you know, we've got to communicate what the stake is and the sizzle. He goes, it's all about the stake and the sizzle. And then so then it was just coming up with other words around that sort of mentality and that sort of mm. where that where that was going. And and originally, like, and if you go go back and look at the original presentation that we presented to Marty for White Fox Real Estate, it literally just says obvious for sale. Like that's how <laughs> obvious we wanted it to be that it was like, here's the, you know, the deal is the address of the property. Obvious it's for sale or it's for lease. Like that's yeah. the obvious thing about this property. And then the seals, the deal was all sort of the unique selling propositions of the property. Mm-hmm. And that sort of just evolved um, as we went on. Um, but yeah, it's sort of building that language. It was super fun. Like Yeah, it would have been a lot of fun. That's that's the, the type of clients you you want are the people who are willing to go hard no matter what on getting the right answer mm. as opposed to fixing things on a certain budget or um, diameters that don't make much sense. Mm. And, yeah, I feel like you guys nailed it because it is – like he copped a lot of shit in the early days but now yeah. people know. Well, exactly. And, like, even early on, like, so many people giving their opinions on – the creative and and the direction that the brand was heading and it was for that industry it was in your it was a you know it was in your face it was pretty um you know it, w- it was bold for for that for that for the real estate industry especially the you know melbourne luxury real estate market which is notoriously conservative and you know it was pushing pushing those boundaries and you know, it's, it's, it's a classic sort of thing that we always talk about in the office is that, you know, when we're talking to all new clients, there's always a question of like, how bold are you willing to go? And they given, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how bold are you willing to go? And the very next question after that is take a deep breath, relax, and now actually tell us how you know, bold you're willing to go because the number always drops. You know, it's sort of like everyone's at the start, like, oh, you know, we want to, we want to be so out there and bold and 10. And then, uh, and then they see it. Yeah, and then you give them the work and they're like, whoa, way too bold. <laughs> you know, pair it back a bit. So, um, White Fox, the business, it's a year in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
copy, creative, and strategy seems to be at the heart of what you guys do well. Yeah. Uh, so things like branding, tone of voice, content strategy, English to German translations. Correct. Thanks, thanks Maya. Yeah. <laughs> uh, market research, social media paid. So it's 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 sort of getting on full service, but it is more strategic, obviously. Yeah. Um, clients like Cobham Estate, White Fox Real Estate, obviously. Uh, Tennis Australia, there's a bunch in there. Um, knowing that you and Ma- like knowing Marty uh, and yourself, it would have been hard to pair back and not go for just a full-on advertising mm. agency. Mm. So how have you sort of like Dan Monheit? He's worked out that behavioural economics is like their little shtick. That's mm. the thing that they do really, really well. How do you think about your competitive advantage? In the marketplace, yeah, great question. That, and you know, we were discussing this before off camera, and it was, you know, at the start when we started the business, it was very much like, well, let's just do everything, you know, appease the client. Like, yep, we can do that. We can organise that. We'll white label services as White Fox Marketing and do, and you know, really put, you know, open ourselves up to everything. But at the heart of it, it was, you know, it is the, at the heart of it, it was the tone of voice development. That was my background. I've worked on a lot of that at Willow and Blake. I'm a copywriter. So that was sort of the, the and that's still the things that we, yeah, we really love doing that. It's creating these brand personalities and um, the way that the brand is going to speak, you know, when it gets to market. And, you know, that's what we did really well with White Fox Real Estate. And it's, and, you know, when we're, pitching to clients or we're, you know, we're, we're saying, you know, these are the things that you've got to do to, to you know, succeed and, and create a really memorable brand. Um, you know, you've got Marty in the room there and he's the walking, talking case study of that this stuff actually works. You know, yeah. he, in the meeting he'll go, hey, you know, Aiden did everything that you're going through right now. Aiden, we had the exact same meeting four years ago and we, and we did the tone of voice development together and we did that yeah. and it's sort of so that that's the I feel it like is the core of the business and then you know there's the the naming and the branding um you know the logo the visual identity and then from there it's onto the, the content and we do it so we, we we do a lot of social media so creating those content strategies the paid campaigns and the and the strategies for that mm. um and then managing the managing the accounts but we are sort of starting now one year in what's next it's almost like pairing back the service offering to the 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 four or five things or the three or four things that you do really well um and nailing that and then saying hey you know we're not a pr agency so if you want pr i I know three really great people or three really great agencies that can help you do that we'll help you shape the comms and things like that yeah but um you know that's their domain and we'll work collaborative like we're a super collaborative agency i like to think anyway like we work really closely with the client it's not um you know we'll go away and this is the only option because we think it's the best and this is what you've got to do if you want to be right it's sort of like here's a few options what's your feedback let's evolve that marty likes to say he wants to merge them i'm always like (laughs) but um you know it's i I think it's i think that's super important it's 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 being collaborative this is their brand Mm. um you know they've got to love it they're going to be working in it every day. They're going to see it every day. Um, so it's about working together to, to make sure that the, the desired outcome is achieved. 
I, I when Lauren and I were sitting down and talking about topics to discuss, um, I think like, you know, we're we're being a bit selfish here, but uh, I think for her as a young creative director, she wants to she she wants to see where she can learn, and so. What is, and it's so cliche to ask, like, what does Aiden's day look like? But I think she's, she's more thinking about what, what does, yeah, what, what does your day look mm. like? What, what are you focusing on? What are you, what's in the back of your head all the time? Like, I should be doing this thing. Mm. Um, I guess for her education, that's, yeah. that's sort of key. God, right? I'm not, probably not a great teacher, but <laughs> we'll go through it anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, thing that's in my mind constantly is the staff and the clients. Okay. So staff and clients. They're the, they're, they're, the, they're the things that I that I manage every day. Okay. Um, so it's managing the, the the team, making sure that they're all in a wonderful place, that the the work the the energy in the in the room's really good because you know in a creative in the creative world I feel like and if they don't come into the into the day, or they're, you know, or, or during the day that they're off, then the work naturally is gonna, yeah, it fails. You know, it fails. You know, it yeah. goes down. So it's all about managing, making sure that they're good, um, you know. And they, if they bring, you know, stuff from home into the office, you know, in their in their mindset, I'm always like, you know, let's go for a rip around the street and just chat through it, and um, get to the bottom of it. And they're like, oh, it's none of your business. I'm like, well, it, is, it, it actually is my business because yeah. you know if you're if you're having an off day if you've got boyfriend problems or if you know you're not something else that's on your on your plate or you're not thinking clearly mm. it affects it affects your work and it, it just naturally is that so it's you know making sure that all the team are in a super great spot providing the environment where they can create the best work possible okay and then on the flip side i'm thinking about every single client that we look after and making sure that the timelines are, you know, being adhered to. What's the next step? Um, you know, all the internal meetings that happen um, for every client with our team of like, you know, we do the um, brief in like the br- brief in the team on the job. Um, then we'll do like the brainstorm where we all just put the ideas out there. Okay, so you all do it together. All no do it together. What. Yeah. Every 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 new client we do the, the team brainstorm and we also brainstorm every Tuesday. Yeah. Um, at ten fifteen. So every ten every Tuesday ten fifteen we have a all the team comes together and we just open open door policy. Let's discuss any client, anything creative stuff you've seen out in the world, what we can be doing better. Real open sort of forum there but back on to sort of what day-to-day is it's yeah so thinking about the clients thinking about the team um thinking about marty (laughs) and then um and then it's you know meetings it's talking to the clients managing expectation i sort of um mix up between being the creative director and also account manager as well like i'm talking to a lot of some of the clients have the direct bat phone line to me so they're they're calling me um but yeah and then you've got to fit in the time to write because i still do a lot of um i don't do as much as i would like but i still definitely do a lot of writing and then on the flip side of that is that i look after all the white fox real estate stuff as well yeah that is yeah that's because you're still uh, listed as creative uh, head of content yeah. at White Fox. Yeah. So, and there was a lot of questions that came in about real estate content. Yeah, obviously. Mm. Um, 
That's insane. So if you were to look at your job, do you think 80% of it is production and creative work and 20% of it is revenue or do you think it's closer to like 50? Closer 50? to 50, 50. Okay. I'd say closer to 50, 50. Just, that, just purely on time. Like there's just, that's cliche, but there's just not enough time in the day. Like yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I've got to be thinking about the business as well because, you know, I, we always... Um, discussing and and we have a very sort of open line of communication with all the team. The team always knows sort of, um, you know, what's happening from the business side as well. Mm. Um, You know, where we need to be, um, you know, what we need to be doing, what our production line needs to look like to make sure that we're actually making money, um, you know, and what we need to be doing to making sure that we're actually creating the best possible work. So um, they're open to that. and and we discuss that. But so there is a lot of a lot of it of running the business, and then there's also a bit yeah. of that of like doing the doing the work as well. Yeah, which is what happens when you're you're a younger agency. I mean, you guys are nearly eighteen months into it, mm-hmm. so you it's actually sort of nice to do that because you appreciate it down mm. the track. I think. Oh, definitely. Um, the team uh, point on the team is is quite interesting. Um, it was interesting sending questions to the girls. Okay. Thank you, Maya and Lauren. Oh no! <laughs> they both gave me um, look. They both gave me some really good jokes, but they also did give me. I asked them like, "What is it that they respect about you?" And I think the main thing they said is that one is you're authentic. Like Aiden is Aiden. Mm. He's not Aiden for many different people. Mm. And uh, interestingly, they both because I sent it to them separately. Mm. They both said that you always put others first and that they wish they could tell you how brilliant you are. Oh, you <laughs> made me cry. Oh, I'm an emotional person. <laughs> Which is quite um, nice. That's really lovely. And thanks, I, I thanks think, girls. And I think um, Maya in particular is like, because she's sort of, I think she said that this has been her like first proper gig mm. or one of the first proper gigs that, you know, she's done many different jobs as a copywriter, mm. but at, at an, in agency land, not on yeah. the consumer side. Um, so she sort of found you to be quite a a mentor and it, it had me thinking like what, you know, there's always things that you learn from your own stuff. So yeah. what have you learned from having the team there? They're, they're, they're amazing. They, they keep me going um, every day. Um, like you look at Lauren is, this is her first job in, in an agency. So she's, she? yeah, so she's um, post-grad. Um, we actually met, um, I did a, the, the previous business that she was working at, she was the EA there, and I did the tone ah. of voice development for that company. <laughs> and then, you know, a few months later, she, I got this really lovely email being like, you know, I love what you do and I want to do what you do. And I was like, and she was like, can we catch up for a coffee and, um, you That's know, awesome. ch- chat about what, you know, how I can, what I need to read, what I need to learn. You know, she did professional communications at uni, so it was, you know, um, you know, that's what she wanted to do. And we went and got a coffee. I was working, you know, that year, 2018, I was working out of my shitty small apartment in Cremorne that was falling apart. And so we went and got a coffee at um, at Sloan Ranger in Cremorne. And, you know, you could just see the enthusiasm and the energy of wanting to... Love get proactive it, people. Yeah, oh, the best. Yeah. And, you know, wanting to do whatever it takes to find your way into 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 this world so um and we vibed and i was like it got to the point then i was like well we're, we're starting an agency in next year at the start of next year 
can I give you a brief? I'll give you, I'll make up three pretend clients and you know, I want you to give me naming options for one and for this one I want you to do a bit of a tone of voice, you know, write some positioning statements for creatively for this brand and do a little bit of a social strategy for this one and you know, what images and how would you do it and X, Y, Z and it was really good, you know, and, and I'm all about that where if you've got the ideas, like if you've got that brain where the ideas come, mm. you can be taught how to, you know, you can be taught how to write a certain way or you can learn, you know, the approach and how you do it. But w with those ideas, you're going to be fine. Whereas opposed to, you know, someone who's process driven and things like that, but just might not have that idea yet. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather hire someone with no experience who Oh yeah, principles first approaches exactly. wins yeah. everywhere. I hate it when people hire on experience mm. because I've seen it first place in workplaces where they say, "Oh, this person's got more experience," and then six months later they're out the door. Yeah, and then you, you know, I literally saw this. They hired the person that they didn't have a go yeah. for, who didn't have the experience, and he was far better. Yeah, which so, is, you know, that's the thing, and it's it's now it's yeah for me it's all about just having that outside the box thinking. Because the rest, the rest can you will learn. The rest you can be taught. But if you've got that thinking, where the first thing you, the first thing that comes to your mind is this thing that's way out here, when everyone else is inside the four walls, yeah. then you've got a gem. I, it, it has me thinking about um, principles. If we're talking about getting people in based on principles, I think that Maya said that um, maybe it was Lauren. I, someone said that. Um, so long as you know the audience, mm. the products, and the brand, and you can embody that, mm. you can you can get cut through with your with your writing. Yeah. And we had a lot of questions where, you know, like people follow Marty, they follow you. Um, there was a lot of questions around real estate, but I feel like real estate is, you know, like what Lauren or Maya said, it can be applied to any industry. You've mm. just got to frame it correctly yeah. for that industry. Um, with that being said, how do you, like, how are you teaching your principle? What are your general principles for approaching any form of creative work? And then how does it differ from industry mm. to industry? Yeah. Well, the basic sort of setup of how we'll do, say, a tone of voice development is that we look at the in-depth into the audience, really sort yeah. of cutting through of who, who we're actually talking to. It's yeah. pretty basic, who we're actually talking to. Um, a lot of people don't ever think about yeah, that. Yeah, but it's... Then it's thinking about it on sort of the um, the psychography, not just the demographic. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, you know, between the ages of 30 and 40 and they live in Melbourne and, you know, whatever, in the, in the classic sort of demographic. But go that step deeper of, you know, what what brands is this person currently buying or do they engaging with? Why are they – why do they have – um, Aesop soap in their bathroom as opposed to another brand. Yeah. You know, thinking like that of sort of what's the psyche behind a lot of the consumer patterns and, you know, I'm, I'm, we're talking product here, but, you know, what, um, you know, they're, why are they buying certain things? Um, and discovering that really sort of helps you understand, mm. um, you know, when you get to the creative concept of what that's going to look like. Yeah. Um, so nailing that audience is, is one of the most important things for us. And obviously we look at the competitors and what they're doing in the same space. Um, and then sometimes we look at ones that, you know, aren't in the same industry, but are doing something really good. Yeah. 
and then it comes down to you know what are the um, values of the business, um, what are the unique selling propositions of the business, you know, and, and understanding all that, setting that up with the strategy, then when you get to the creative, you know, you've got this really great framework of how the how the creative can roll out, yeah, and really and really nailing that. There was someone who asked about. Um because you, you guys, once you get to that point, you start thinking about how, what's your go-to-market, like mm. what's the content, what's this, mm. do we do paid, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we got a lot of questions about like, you know, specific use cases and I feel like um, it's often lost in a lot of people who are in business when it comes to marketing. It's like horses for courses mm. is the mantra. Mm. People think like I had a meeting yesterday with a the client, they're like, how do we, how do we optimise our site for like uh, retargeting mm. and this and that? I'm like... What does, what does that even mean? Like, we should yeah. just be optimizing your site for sales and conversions. Yeah. Like, what are the results that you want? Don't think about, like, this new gimmick thing. Yeah, the buzz. You know, like, oh, I should be on TikTok or yeah. I should be here or I should be there. So how do you address that question with the people? Oh, It depends, it. right? Yeah, it, well, yeah, everything's different and... No, in real in the real estate world like i'm not on instagram as much as i used to be and but i get a lot of real estate followers i'm kind of like i'm not you know yes i've worked on real estate brands but i'm not really a real estate guy um but you know and apologies for saying this to all the real estate agents out there but that industry is i've never worked in or no i've never worked in, in in an industry where it's the creative and just the copy approach like this person's doing this so we'll just do exactly what they're doing um and we'll just change it to our branding you know we've had you know the the sold boards that we did for white fox real estate yeah a lot of copycats with the text you know people that would literally word for word and bang it on their one and i was i'm always just thinking sort of like you've just got to know what firstly what works for white fox real estate isn't going to work for an ex-agency in south australia you know different markets and it's all about knowing knowing your market um and and then when you when you go to do something like everyone said to us that you can't do you can't do that you can't talk like that um for white fox real estate can't talk like that if you've got a house in Turak. Mm. you know the one of the the first property that we sold or that we listed in i say we white fox real estate listed in Turak. Marty goes, we've just got to put a huge board up. Like, not even put the photo up or an address or anything like that. Just we're a just, white board? We're just going to put a huge board, the biggest one we've ever done, on Orong Road, and I want you to write something for that. And we wrote three-bedroom, two-bathroom, two-tractor. <laughs> and that was the first thing that we ever went to market with in Turak. And, it, you know, they ended up selling every property in that development and... Um, but it was just, yeah, it's that sort of, you know, the, the, you can't do this and you can't do that mentality that's out there where it's, then it's no different, but you've just got to know your audience and understand it. Like the, the, the feedback was people who knew, who thought they knew that, you know, that audience or that criteria were like, you can't. But then when we sort of delved into it a lot more, Mm. sort of like these people, you know, they're no different. Yeah. They're, um, they're all, well, not all, but they're successful people, you know, just because they've, and Marty says this a lot, just because they've got two extra zeros or three extra zeros in the bank account doesn't mean they don't have a sense of humour. Like, you know, there's ways to talk to people 
um, no matter what, but it's just about understanding that. Yeah, and it's, it sort of comes down to being original and authentic, which has me thinking about, which, which you can't really put a thumb on. Mm. You, know, you can't really highlight, oh, these are the things I do to do that. So it has me thinking about, like, who are ignoring Marty, because Marty's obviously like a, a clear sales and, and marketing leader. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, who are, who are the leaders that you look to? Where, what is the type of content that you're consuming regularly that sort of gets these ideas floating mm. in your brain? Like some of the brands that, that I'm loving, and we talk about them in the office a lot, like AHM. Okay. Really love their the stuff that they're doing with their creative. Um, what was another one that we were talking about? It was AHM. We had, well, obviously I love Frank Body, having <laughs> been a been Willow and Blake alumni. They're the they're the original and the best by far. Yeah. Um, but that those brands that are changing the perception of what is normal. Uh, you of know, this for, product, yeah, yeah. Of, in that industry or of that product, you know, like yeah. what, and it's okay. it's it's interesting because a lot of the when I was at Will on Blake, it was product, it was ninety nine percent product that we were working on. Where at White Fox Marketing, it's probably seventy five percent service based. So we work with um, real estate agencies, we work with property developers, we work with. Um, private wealth firms, yeah. Um, so mortgage you're, brokers. You're more B two B. Yeah. So there's a lot of B two B, but there is then also the element of B two C in in those brands of yeah. like, and these people have seen what we've done with White Fox Real Estate and been like, you know, they see the opportunity in their industry of being able to do something that's different, um, and and something that can make some noise without it being sort of you know, too over the top, mm. but I think it's about seeing, seeing the opportunity and, and, and taking it. That's, that's for me. And that's, and, and I think that's why they're coming, why they, you know, they want to work with us is because we're willing to, to work with them on that. If you're thinking about the industry, there's a lot that's happened. I've, I've spoken to Dan about this in the past. Facebook and Google have really dominated paid media now. I feel like I was reading in Mumbra the other day that um, WPP like had a loss of like $200 million, mm. a net loss. Um, it's sort of obvious that independent agencies have found their way to stand out in the industry and continue to make a buck through their uniqueness or being mm. different and creating unique brands. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm curious, how do you see the next few years in the media space? Oh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's it's well it's all about data. I think that yeah. Well, you're talking about that psychographic thing. I, yeah. I find that stuff really interesting at the moment. It's 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 all about data. It's scary. The more you look into it and you read up <laughs> on it, the more you're like, "Fuck, what's going on?" But um, yeah, data. I mean, AI is going to be huge in the next five years or so. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I hope there's always going to be a need for you know, someone there with a pen to write good copy and, um, and and take it to that. But it's, it is going to be interesting, like you said, with the, all the paid stuff, like we've just um, spent the first two months of this year rejigging all our social media strategies for our clients. We're finding that, you know, organic posting and things like that is almost at a level where it's, yeah, it's you know, ridiculous. yeah, you just got to, yes, you got to be present on that, but you know, maybe you don't need to post every day. And maybe we can be taking that 
you know, the money that we'd be spending on that and funneling it through paid advertising through the through social channels, which is sort of the way that we're sort of approaching this year, um, where we're doing a lot more paid um, for the clients. That has been a big change. You're right about yeah, that. Where it's sort of now, you know, with the, you read all these things where the your organic content is being seen by 10% of your follower base. Yeah. It's probably even lower. We've it's, seen that. Yeah, it's probably even lower now. And the way that they... The, the metrics now on video views, you know, is changed. Um, it's it's constantly changing. That's why I always say people who say that they're social media specialists, I'm like, yeah, good one. But because <laughs> it's constantly changing, and there's so much, you know, there's it's 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 there's so much to to continue to learn as that platform grows, mm. and the way that they're rolling things out. Um, but yeah, I mean, now it's everyone that that mantra of. Instagram's a free platform for me to market my business or, you know, that sort of it's social media is, a f- you know, this free thing is dead in the water. Yeah, I think that's long gone now. I think there's very, very few mediums where you have real organic reach. One of those would be podcasting, maybe YouTube, mm. um, but there's few and far between now. Yeah. Um, just because we've sort of, if you think about it, the last few years we've had... We've gone from a few, like maybe one or two platforms that people were using every day to about four to five, uh, but there's no new ones on top of that. Mm. And there's none that have really died per se. They have died in the eyes of some people for Mm. certain demographics, like Facebook is clearly more uh, for an older generation now. Yep, Um, But, I mean, what's what's come out? The Mm. only thing I can think of is uh, TikTok and Byte. Mm-hmm. Which is started by the guy who created Vine. Yeah, well, TikTok's just like kind of a new Vine. Yeah, it really um, is. So there's so, not really any any other platforms or mediums there. So it's about innovating what is currently available. Yeah, correct. Well, that's exactly right. And yeah. it's it's finding the new ways to do things. Like we're doing, um, you know, some of the instant experience ads that we're rolling out now with our clients, which is sort of where we're sort of seeing the the or where we're pushing towards. Is you know that's giving breathing some new life into into it because it's not it's not just you know boost put x amount of money behind this post and push it out there and see what happens like it's there is a lot of thinking behind it Um, you know yeah and it is reinventing what we currently have I'm sure that in five years there'll be you know there's probably going to be another lot of platforms or something like that that can be can be can be utilized and things like that i mean i look back to you know when um frank you know when they came out and it was like they were one of the first to 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 really use use the platform for business point of view yeah um you know that's got to be something that you know down the track there'll be another one like that, that yeah there will eventually mm. i think byte is probably the one that'll beat tiktok because um, I, I like tiktok but tiktok i'm very wary of being yeah. that it's owned by um, well, a company that's got a similar name called Byte Dance. Yeah, okay. Um, but Byte is yeah is quite interesting because it is exactly like TikTok, but they don't have the privacy concerns. Yeah. Well, I, I read that they were that TikTok's about to roll out a whole new privacy function and really add, and and parental all that sort of stuff. Uh, I don't know if I can trust a company that has a. You know what I mean? Like when when it's the Chinese companies, unfortunately. Mm. They're just there's always a backdoor mm. through the CCP, so like it's pretty well known. I think like that's why a lot of um, 
Who's I speaking to the other? Yeah, it was actually Dan who mentioned it to me. He's like, um, most clients they speak to about TikTok were just like, the CMOs are just like, let's just wait and see what happens. Yeah. Which I can understand. Yeah, 100%. Um, one question for you before we head into these rapid fire questions. Yeah. You spoke before about Lauren mm-hmm. and her getting her gig. Yeah. There's. It's really apparent now with the way the industry's at. A lot of a lot of redundancies at agencies. Often you find young creatives who've just come out of uni, very disillusioned and like just working in retail or whatever mm. it may be. Um, so I guess I'm curious from your perspective, someone who's been there, you've hired people in that position, what would be your advice to someone who's in the process of coming out of uni? You know, they, there's probably what? Like fifteen or twenty spots in one of the big agencies yeah. every year. Fuck those agencies. Yeah. No. <laughs> no well, I, mean, I was. I was always. Um, I don't know. I'm. I always. I'm sure. Having that on your resume is a phenomenal attribute or whatever for um, young people who, you know, intern at these big agencies or whatever. Um, I'm always skeptical about it. Like I always get nervous about the environment of those yeah. agencies and you know the expectations oh, expectations and you know the things that you hear and all this sort of jazz which you know is all grapevine stuff but before I started at Willow and Blake um, and I was doing I was freelancing um, before that for my own little gig um, and I wanted to get into agency land like I was like I'm ready to Too go much. in there get some experience a few years of that um, learn from the best and there was two options. I got offered a job at an agency on St Kilda Road. Okay. And I got, and then, and which I was like, oh, like incredible opportunity. Like there, you know, I'm a no one, and you know, I've got this gig lined up for that. And I went, hmm. Before I take that, I'm just gonna reach out to Erica at Willow and Blake. How did who, you know Erica at the time? Um, so one of my really close friends, Katia, was already working there. I'd known, I'd met Jess, um, one of the other owners. 10 years ago. Um, so we sort of had our paths had crossed at times before. And also I sort of knew um, a few of the people that worked at Frank and a few of the people that worked at Willow and Blake. So, and I, you know, met everyone here and there. So I, and I knew what an incredible place it was to work at and, and, you know, the environment that they were creating. And so before I went in, um, before I accepted any other offer, I just reached out and I was like, Hey, you know, uh, you're probably full up, but if there's ever anything that I could do to get a job here, I would absolutely love it. Like whether that's just, you know, tailing someone for a, you know, a couple of weeks or doing whatever. And luckily enough, she was like, you know what, we're actually looking for a male copywriter right now. And so did the brief and, and got the job and the rest is history. But I, for anyone out there who's who's looking to get into this sort of world, I would, my recommendation, and this is only my opinion, would be to go work at some of these boutique agencies as opposed to the big ad agencies out there. Yeah, because you're going to get more experience, I think. Exactly. You're going to get churned churned up and and spat out probably of the other agencies. And these other ones, these smaller boutique agencies, you're going to get real experience. You know, they're going to, Lauren's first day when she started working at White Fox Marketing, she was doing what you know a senior creative would have been doing you know she was we, we threw her right into the deep end and was like let's see how you go and then it was feedback then it was sit with me and you know we shared a desk for the first two months wow she sat on the opposite side of my desk and we worked together 
just the two of us were the first two people there. Um, and she, um, you know, she would pick up on the way that I was writing and she would, and I would feedback her creative and she would come back with her amendments. And, you know, and uh-huh. it was, and it was a really close, ex- I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to be everyone's experience, but it was, you know, I'm a really short and sharp, bold copywriter. I don't, I'm not a huge long form writer. I like to get it out. Like we said before, use four words instead of 10, you know, yeah. like I'm sharp like that. And she sort of picks up on that. Now her writings, her writing style is similar to that. Uh-huh. Maya's more long form, but it's, 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 it's picking up those, um, the little things and working closely and feedbacking. That's the experience that's going to take Lauren into, you know, becoming a creative director one day. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's learning like that. So I would be going out it accelerates your experience. hundred percent. It's like it's 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 getting the deep end and learn. Yeah. Don't you know tiptoe around and or whatever. And I'm a big um, uh, advocate of reading. Like yeah, go out there and read. Like you should be reading whether it's fiction or other books. Like we have the copy book um, in the office, which is a, 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 for any creative out there. I recommend reading that. Um, I'm sure we'll get a link or something or whatever. <laughs> it's called the copy book. Um, I've never heard of it. And it's, it's the original one. It's been updated, but the original one was all sorts, majority of the best ad campaigns from the sixties and the seventies, like the glory years of copywriting, Mad Men style. Um, and then it's the creative, the creative behind that, their process of how they got to wow. that ad, and then other examples. So we'll be buying that. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a guy in there who um, he's he's literally written everything out in in pen, and it's like scratched out, written scratched out, written scratched out until you get to that you know level. And everyone's process is different in terms of coming up with how they come up with the creative, but. I get as long as you have a process. Exactly, as long as you have a process, and everyone's process is different. But as long as you've got a process, you'll get there. And that book for me, Erica got me that book. I got that for Lauren. We've got one in the office. You can all like anytime everyone's having sort of, you know, writer's block or is you know having a you know they're out of words. I'm always like, either get into a Pinterest fortress and start you know getting inspired from visual mediums or have a look at these books and sort of draw inspiration from the people that have done it and the people that have succeeded in doing it. Uh, speaking of books, I want to get into rapid fire questions. Yes. Okay. Uh, what does your morning routine look like? Oh God, don't ask. <laughs> my alarm goes off super early and then I snooze it. Okay. <laughs> but my morning routine is, and, I, and it should change, but I wake up and it's I'm on the phone straight away because there's X amount of emails that are in there that need to get ready. But and I've got to learn to not be on my phone as much as I am. My friends know that I'm in it on it all the time, and that pains them. But my morning routine is is yeah is is wake up early, snooze, then get up, which is probably detrimental. You probably should just get up. But um, that and then I'm I'm pretty much straight into straight into work. So I'm oh, wow. uh, in terms of like going through um, my emails, I answer everything, get on the laptop, um, set the day up that way. Um, and then it's planning what we're doing that actual day. Um, you know, we like to, we've, we try, we don't always succeed, but we get that standing whip in, in the morning, 
everything that every what everyone's working on, what we're trying to get done and achieve that day, um, and to just help set us up and just to, just to keep us accountable, make sure that we're hitting the certain things. I mean, when you've got when you're a small agency with doing a lot of work, um, you know, it's easy to get stuck on the one um, the one thing where I'm an advocate for hey, do hit you know, spend two hours doing this and then go do this for an hour and then come back and do this and sort of break up your day where, cause you just get fatigued if you're working on the, the same client or the same bit of copy that you're trying to get done for yeah. too long. Um, so setting the day up, like we mentioned, I don't have brekkie, which I should cause my tummy's rumbling and intermittent fasting is not working for me, <laughs> but it's probably cause I drink too much. Um, but yeah, so get that day set up before I leave, before I leave the house. Um, and then yeah, coffee, depending on the day, I either go to the Paran office to see Marty and do okay. uh, real estate stuff, or I go into the South Melbourne office, uh-huh. um, and, and kickstart the day. But there's no, as much as I should, there's no, unfortunately, gym routine at Marty's place or anything like that, but I will work on that eventually. eventually. We'll get to no, that. Any dirty chives most of the week? No, no. this is, <laughs> this is a sick joke that has got out <laughs> too far. I had one dirty chai last year. <laughs> I'm a I'm a long black black coffee drinker and the girls are all about oat milk and all these other milks or whatever. Um and I went one day I got a so, I got a, a a dirty chai, a, a soy chai with a shot of coffee in it and I walked back into the office and I was saying hi to the girls seeing what they're up to and Danae who's eagle eye could see the like spotted a chocolate on the top of the coffee cup and she was like what's in that and I was like it's a dirty chai and then from that point onwards you were known as the guy who had a dirty yeah, chai but now I don't drink it was a good winter drink though Aiden Hathaway drink. the guy who likes a dirty chai correct hey, not bad <laughs> um, evening how do you sort of decompress at night this is the hardest thing for me um, is ex- doing exactly that because my brain never switches off it is so hard to switch my brain off um, used to not be able to sleep like um, for 2013 to even to just a few years ago a terrible sleeper could never turn my brain off was always thinking about something really? in terms of you know doing create like a sleep um, you know used to sleep with a, pe- um, a pen and a pad of paper next to my bed and would write stuff like just always on which was pretty detrimental to my health um, and then I started, I've got an app that plays rain music, which now I listen to every night before I go to bed because that helps my, my, that just triggers my brain to switch off and start going that way. Um, and I also will watch, I'll nearly watch a movie every night. Okay. Whether I watch the whole movie or not, debatable. I just, that's, I put that on after I've had dinner um, and that sort of lets my brain know that it's, Time to relax. Time to relax. Well, what have you watched recently that stood out in particular? Ooh, Movie question. or doco? Movie or doco. Um, what am I currently... What did I... What did I watch recently? This is the other thing is that my memory is so scattered. Because so, I've had this thing recently where I've been going on Netflix and I'm like, I would need to watch more movies, but I just get into, like, decision fatigue. Well, I... spend way too much time. I was talking about this a couple of nights ago as well when we were on Netflix and I was like, where are the movies? Like, there's... Yeah, it's there's, all TV it's, series. It's, it's TV series and heaps of comedy specials, which, you know, I'm down for that at the right time, but... Um, 
and I'm a I'm a shocker where because I watch a lot purely to turn my brain off, I'll watch the same movie over and over and over and over again. And it's just if I know I can just not use my brain in the movie and I can slowly sort of drift off or I can can settle. But what was one that I watched recently? I can't even think. How was there it? like a you said there I watched Gold last week, Matt McConaughey. Oh, about that. Fool's Gold? No, no. <laughs> that's a great movie. Oh, no, that's... Yeah, I want to see that. Gold is about the... It's a, based on a true... It's loosely, and I say very loosely, based on a true story of um, the greatest ever gold mine fraud ever. Yeah. Um, Wasn't it based in, like, PNG or something? It was like in Borneo, in Borneo. Uh, Indonesia. Oh, no, is that... Yeah. Malay, no, no. Mal- is it, well, there's a state of Borneo in Indonesia and Malaysia. I yeah, I think it's it's in Indonesia. I think it's the Indonesian jungle. Yeah, an island in Indonesia, and they they were pretty good. <laughs> so it's on Netflix. No, I rented it on Google Play. Okay. Yeah, I never really need to get Apple TV because there's yeah. a lot of movies I want to watch. Like Parasite was one recently Parasite's that I missed at the movies. Play. Yeah, they've got that on Apple. Yeah. TV. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to do something yeah. about that. Yeah, but I love. Yeah, I love watching a film yeah at the end of the day to just shut down it just tells my brain that it's like the end of the day it's time to it's time and like i said a lot of the time i don't even make the end of the movie that's probably why i watch so many that i've already seen before so i don't i don't i don't get you know angry that i fall asleep and then i need to watch it again but i'll i'll shut down and then yeah go to bed last question for you if you could have a billboard anywhere in melbourne where would it be First of all, yeah, good question. Uh, and what would you have on it? Okay, um, I would. It would have to be Swan and um, Punt Road, yeah. which is people would know that is my most hated intersection in all of Melbourne. <laughs> um, I used to live right next to it, and what they've done to it is just stuffed up my commute every really? every day. Yeah, and I got a lady ran up my ass. Um, at that intersection recently. So I would have it there because it is a great, it is, I think because people are stuck there so long, it would get the most eyes on the, on, on, the, on the billboard. Um, and what would I put on it for, of, of me or for a client? Or, Anything. God. Could dude, be for you. I'm, I'm, could be a personal I, I could, message. I might start advertising here with my clients, but um, <laughs> I think I'd put, I'd put just words on it. It wouldn't have any visual. And... It would probably say, don't give a fuck what everyone else thinks. Just, I like that. Yeah, just that's that's it. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, just <laughs> remind people not to care about what anyone else is saying just or, you know, about them or whatever. Just live your life and mm. and be happy. I like that. Yeah. Very, um, very wise. Yeah. There is a lot of wisdom. <laughs> I probably didn't get a lot of the wisdom out today, but there is some wisdom up there Aiden thanks for coming in mate thanks so much for having me where can people find you on the interwebs <laughs> not not they can't I'm not on there that much but you can you are a ghost online yeah I'm I'm, um, I'm on Instagram at Hathaway Industries don't go there for lots of content because I rarely post on it but you can see some funny stories on there and then also um, at White Fox Marketing of course yeah uh, whitefoxmarketing.com we're cool so it's just whitefox.marketing if you want to go to the website which Marty will be on my ass because it's still just words um, but www.whitefox.marketing
Beautiful. Tick. We'll make sure we link that, but um, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening in to this episode. If you like it, do leave us a written review on your podcast app as it helps us continue going on a weekly basis and we do love reading those reviews as well. Uh, if you want the show notes, you can find that below or with our previous guests at neural.com slash podcast. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com slash podcast. To watch the full video, search Uncommon Show on YouTube and to keep up to date with behind the scenes and clips for the show, you can find us at uncommon underscore show on Instagram. But until next time, guys, thank you so much for listening.